I think for me personally, as I was evolving through the hobby of astronomy, and as I started to tip my toes into astrophotography, I started to realize the work that some of these guys were doing, how much work that they had to put into it. And I had always thought that if I have to put that much work into it, then it might not become a hobby for me anymore. I was looking for simplicity. For me, that was enjoyment. How can I simplify this where I can just enjoy it as a hobby? It was more about capturing the night sky wonder and then processing it so then I could share it with my loved ones mm -hmm. and my friends. That was Jimmy Nguyen, an amazing astrophotographer who uses simple equipment to maximize his enjoyment of the night sky. And that's a philosophy I can most definitely identify with. This podcast is brought to you by Space and Beyond Box, who brings the universe to your door. The Space and Beyond Box is really cool, and there's several different kinds of boxes, each filled with astronomy and space stuff compiled by the editors of Astronomy Magazine. So here's how it works. You subscribe, and then they will send out one box each quarter throughout the year. And what's really neat is that each box has a different space theme. For example, the first one is called the Moon Box and has some really cool Apollo 11 stuff in it and a moon globe along with other moon items. The Space and Beyond Box will please anyone interested in space, backyard astronomy, and just plain looking up. And they make great gifts. So be sure to check them out on Facebook and Instagram at Space and Beyond Box. And if you go to their website, spaceandbeyondbox.com giveaway, you can enter to win a free one-year subscription or one of five first-year boxes. That's spaceandbeyondbox.com slash giveaway. So check them out. All right, let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Space Junk, a weekly podcast dedicated to the amazing hobby of amateur astronomy. Each week, we'll bring you interesting and fun discussions with an eye towards providing you with the latest information and advice on the tools, gadgets, software, and techniques for maximizing your enjoyment of the night sky. Your hosts are Tony Darnell from DeepAstronomy.Space and Dustin Gibson from OPT Telescopes, a world leader in telescopes and accessories. All right, well, welcome, Jimmy. It's good to meet you. I'm... Uh... I'm anxious to hear about all the stuff you've been doing and stuff you can do. I'm getting introduced to you virtually from Dustin over there. You guys are in California, and I'm way over here in Florida. So welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much. That's so how it always yeah. happens. We, we've always got the fun people out here on the West Coast. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's true. It is very fun out there. I can't deny that. As long as you're not, as long as you're not deny, uh, dodging forest fires, I guess things are uh, Yeah. Well, I don't know if they're forest <laughs> fires, but there are fires Everywhere. Wildfires, I guess, yeah. is the right word. Yeah. It's, it's pretty oh, bad it's out here. It's been insane. It's absolutely been insane. Yeah. Well, you live up north, yeah. too. You're out yeah. in, in, uh, in the, the Anaheim area. Yes. So up there, you're seeing all the smoke and everything. We're seeing a lot of the smoke right now. And I actually have a crazy story about that, actually. The other day, I was on a conference call with my colleague. And she lives in the hills of uh, between Simi Valley and Ventura. And we were talking to a client. And in the middle of it, she just goes quiet. And next thing you know, she goes, I might have to be get going because my niece just texted me and she said, like, the fire is right over the ridge from my house. Yeah. And we're, we just all stopped and we're like, do you need to go? Literally a yeah. minute later, mm -hmm. in the background of our conference call, 
you hear sirens wow. go <laughs> passing yeah. her house. It's a common thing. You know, last year when the big fires happened out here, they started across the highway right. from where I lived. Right. And so I was thinking, man, my dogs are out there, you know, so I right. hurried home and everything. And I couldn't even get there my normal route because everything was on fire. It looks yeah. like it's unimaginable until you've experienced it, that just seeing all of the landscape around you being ablaze. Oh, I was I was here in actually San Diego um, in the early 2000s when I was going to school at San Diego State where the smoke was so bad that the entire city had to shut down. So you could have gotten on Interstate 15, stopped your car, and actually get out of the car, and you'd have the entire interstate to yourself. Yeah. That's, so that's how crazy some of our fires can get. It's really pretty sad, too. People yeah, lose it really everything is. It really in is. these. And there's nothing. Once it starts, you realize how helpless you really right. are. There's nothing you can do. Right. The scale. You think of like, oh, it's a wildfire. You know, and when you're at others, it, like at least the East Coast, you think, yeah, that'll take like 30, 40 minutes for someone to put out. But out here, it's not that. It's the entire place is on fire. Everything right. is on fire. Yeah. Well, everything's just so dry. I yeah. mean, it's just a tinderbox out there. I mean, when's the last time you guys had rain? <laughs> what is rain? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what is exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I want to say like, what, four, five, six months uh, ago? Well, well, look out the window, Jimmy. It's like, this is our day. It's Groundhog Day. Yeah. Every day. Every day. Never a cloud. But that's the downside is there's never right. a cloud. There's never rain and everything's dry and it's all ready to to burst in flames yeah. at any time and then you get these high winds and all of a sudden you've just got this perfect storm right you know but um anyway super good to have you on the podcast Thank been you so much been friends for what, four years now yeah four years you're one of the first people i met coming into the industry am i really yeah i think you're no kidding you came to opt before jenny and i had bought the company yes i had just started at meat instruments at the time Mm -hmm. And one uh, an OPT at the time was a very important account that right. I had to go build a relationship with. Yep. So I do remember that moment when I actually drove down that afternoon and I actually met you for the first time. Right. And I was like, hey, I'm Dustin. I'm new to OPT. I'm like, I know everyone here. So yeah. Right. <laughs> so I actually remember that. Yeah. And then you introduced me to Ginny as well. So yeah, back then, you know, I was just... um. I didn't have any intention of buying the company. I just wanted to do sales to be around everyone that knew. And honestly, right. it was people like you. So when you came in and you were talking on that level, you had this expertise that, you know, I was trying to to gain myself. Right. And you were coming in and you recognized. I appreciate that. Well, you know, Mead had so many problems back then. Yeah. You guys were, I mean... People were calling the products boomerangs, you know, <laughs> You're right. because back then you sell one and it comes flying back because so a lot, true, so true. There were a lot of things that weren't working, and you kind of took on that challenge, you know, because Victor was there and you were right. there, and, and you guys were really making an effort to turn that around, and you did, but it took years. Yeah, it it really did. It it was an uphill battle, but for me, it was it was a great challenge. Yeah. Um, and it also helped me to work on my re relationship building skills. Right. So because you have to build a trust with someone mm -hmm. when especially when you're going to go work for a brand that had been um, struggling for so many years after being the top, like the, the king right. of the mountain exactly. for so long. I mean, it, and if you went on to any of the forums like Cloudy Nights, it was just constant beratement <laughs> of mead instruments so i knew what i was getting it myself into but uh 
for me, it was it was just an absolute challenge, and I love a challenge right. to, to help build the brand back up and to also build the relationship. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, my hope was to also build the relationship not only on a professional level with you, but also sure. like on a personal one. And I think uh, to this day, I mean, we're still friends. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, you're no longer at Meet Instruments, but Correct. we've maintained uh, communication all the time. But that's what that's what happens with astronomy in general. Yes. Is it's just such a tight community. It really is. That no I, matter I agree with you. No matter where people end up going and how things end up changing, the relationships seem to be lasting for the most part. And you get to meet so many interesting people as well. Yeah. Because, you know, I got to meet you and Ginny, for example. I got to meet Travis Burke because, you know, I met you. Right. So these are you know, the like Travis, I don't think I would have ever met if sure. I didn't meet you. So, right. and, and because of astronomy. So to have that type of connection to me is wonderful. Absolutely wonderful to be in this hobby. Yeah. Well, Tony, I mean, he and I were just talking about this because Tony and I met by chance of just, you know, we were going to do like a small little project together. Just really? OPT. Yeah. Tony was just reaching out to do like a, a small project with OPT and get a little bit of support for something he had going, a lot of projects going. Right. And then right. we just had this idea. I mean, you remember that conversation, Tony? Yeah, it was pretty interesting. I mean, I, you know, we had, it was a telecon with all of us. Jenny was there and I think Ian was there and we just, uh, were going through all the things we could do together. And the ideas just started snowballing. And one of the things that I had known that I'd wanted to do for quite a while. And, and, and I think Dustin and Jenny jumped on with that was this podcast. So yeah, we just started working together and, and doing lots of projects. And now it's just, I feel like, I feel like I'm part of the team now. I mean, I am part of the team is right. just, I'm just a distant, you know, You're right. sort of other part of the coast part of the team, but still I feel as if, you know, everybody's included me. Everybody's made me feel very welcome there. So it's, yeah. It's funny how that is. It's a very inclusive community out there. Well, and it happens all over the world. I mean, 20 feet from us right now, I'm looking through the, the door here. We've got uh, Kat Meachin here in the building again Amazing today. Hey, Kat! Yeah. Kat! Yeah. artist. Yeah, um, I love Kat. And so, you know, that's all the way from Australia. And she's <laughs> right. here several times a year now right. because we just, you establish these connections with people. And in astronomy, you have like-minded people. You have people that are going to, I mean, you have to value something very specific yeah. to appreciate the challenge of astronomy. Right. You don't get into astronomy because you think it's easy. <laughs> yeah. That's for damn sure. There's a lot of patience involved. Yeah. And so getting into astronomy, you know, you're tackling maybe the grandest challenge. Right. You know, and then. Agreed. And so what happens is, you know, when you meet someone and they're like, hey, well, what do you do? What, what's your hobby? And they're like, oh, I'm, I'm an astrophotographer or I'm an astronomer or whatever it is. You're like, yep, this is going to be a very intelligent person probably very scientifically minded or philosophically minded or both. Yeah. And I think, Tony, that's that's the thing I appreciate most about you, man, and why why we clicked so much is that, you know, you have that that strong sense with both. And I think that you get that more with astronomers mm -hmm. than you do with with any other like subset of people. Yeah, you can be I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, you can't do this stuff without thinking like just all kinds of expansive thoughts, not only in your, in your daily life and, and how all of this stuff affects you, but your perspective, it just completely changes right. all the way around. And it's something we've talked about many times and you're right. We can't help, but 
look at the stars, look at look through an eyepiece of a telescope or an image that comes out of your camera and not feel not just a little bit overwhelmed by what we're seeing. I mean, this is amazing stuff. Yeah, that's really well said, Tony. Really yeah, well said. He likes to steal the things I say and then say them back and then claim them as his own. <laughs> that's true. Oh, okay. I do that. So that's how it works. Yeah. Right yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I copy and paste all of his Instagram, all of his Instagram captions, and I have them printed out right here. <laughs> oh, man. No, seriously. I think it, it does. It connects people. It does. And it's a strong connection. It's a lasting connection. You haven't been at Mead now for how long? Uh, it's been a couple of years now. Yeah. Um, you know, I still. But you're uh, still imaging. Yeah, I'm still imaging as we speak right now. Because even before I got into the industry, Dustin, I always had a passion for astronomy. Right. Uh, it started way back uh, when I was a junior in high school. Wow. So, uh, I'm 36 now. I don't know who's good at math. I'm Asian. I'm not good at math. So, <laughs> so yeah. but, uh, <laughs> uh, um, but uh, it, I, I, I remember from the day it was. My high school teacher, he was teaching at a local community college at the time. Right. And he needed students because he didn't have any students in his astronomy class. Okay. So he came to his uh, chemistry co classes and he was like, does anybody want to take a eight-week class? It's three units of college credit. I'm teaching it. So I wow, have, that's substantial. Three units. Yeah, three wow. units for yeah. a summer class. So you were like, hell yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah. You're saving me $10,000. <laughs> right. Yeah. And as a junior, you only can do so much during the summer. So I decided to take the class. And the class itself was boring. Mm -hmm. All we did was just watch VC, uh, VHS like documentaries about star formation and galaxies. Sure. So I wasn't really interested at that at mm -hmm. the time. But... Our final field trip was actually out to the Orange County Astronomers uh, Desert site out here in Anza, California. And for me, being a city kid, I never had a chance to actually grow up to go camping or to see the night sky. For the first time in my life, I got to see the night sky in its grandeur. And it blew me away. Mm, that's all it takes. It, th th that's one all it time, takes. One, one time. One moment. The very next day, I drove back into the city. I looked in the yellow pages <laughs> Wow! <laughs> for the if there were any telescope shops in Orange County. Yep. And I was able to find one in Costa Mesa. Um, I don't know if you ever heard of this, Dustin, but Tony, do you ever remember uh, Scope City? They, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember. So they've been yeah. out of business for a while now. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I drove immediately to Scope City and bought my first a uh, 90 millimeter refractor wow. because of that one experience. You know, we, we talk about this all the time on podcasts, but we truly believe that all it takes is one moment Yes, for people to find this and fall in love with it. Correct. And, um, you know, I, I had a moment too. It was a visual dot. It was a Dobsonian uh -huh. looking at the moon. Right. Of all things, because I very rarely do that anymore. Like very, right. very rarely. Now it's all, it's all photography all the time for me, you right. know, um, but that's all it took yeah. the first time because I had no idea what I was doing. You know, you look and it's just this big, bright light. And so I didn't even know how focusers work. Oh, wow. You know, like I was yeah. looking at this thing and I was trying to, I bought it on Craigslist. Right. And I was trying to figure out like, this thing must be broken. 
or maybe it's just so magnified that all I can see, maybe I'm looking inside one crater and I just mm -hmm. can't see any detail, but I knew there was only one knob on this thing. So I just started turning it and then the moon popped into focus and I was done. I was like, <laughs> I'm, I don't know how yeah. to go back to not seeing this. Right. Right. Cause when you look through a big Dobsonian <laughs> at the moon, it's like, you're there. Yeah. I mean, you are like right on top of this and you're seeing it from a perspective that looks like when you look down at the earth from an airplane, mm -hmm. that's what it looks like when you look at the moon so through true, a big scope. It? And so this perspective, I was like this and you can very few things in life. Do you do you experience? And then you're like, that was a life changing moment for me. Yeah. But that one was it was one of those where I knew when it happened. It was like, I can't go back to where I so was true. just a second ago. So true. Yeah. And that, that was the answer trip for me, Dustin the exact same way that you felt about right. looking at the moon that was the anza trip for me because we actually got we got lucky because my high school teacher actually reached out to the club uh and actually got a couple volunteers actually came out that night to actually run the club telescope so not only did i get to see the night sky the summer milky way i also got to see galaxies and nebulas through a telescope for the mm -hmm. first time in my life wow and so for me it was like that that's it. I, I, I'm to to be able to experience this is just incredible. I'm hearing a lot of eyepiece action going on over there. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not hearing about a lot of images and processing. And it's the gateway drug, Tony. Yeah. yeah, the eyepiece. The eyepiece is <laughs> yeah, the gateway that's drug. Right. It, it really is, it and so is the moon. Yes. The, you know, you think that the moon is the gateway drug, honestly, for for like everyone. That's mm -hmm. such a bad way to say it. We shouldn't even joke about that. <laughs> <laughs> that's so terrible. But I mean, I guess it, astronomy does become a little bit of an addiction. You know, it I does. mean. It's like, it I, if it's clear outside, I'm imaging Yes, literally every single night. And I have right. been now for four and a half years. Wow. You know, my website is called everyclearnight.com for a reason. And um, it's just one of those things that like it gets in your blood yeah. and, and you're so happy that it's there. I agree. Because it's like, it's a perspective you cannot get anywhere else. And honestly, it, it, it isn't it amazing that something as simple as the moon, we take the moon for granted, right? Right. It, it, it's always there. Yeah. But once you show somebody through a telescope, whether it doesn't matter what size it is, yeah. and for them to see the craters for the first time and to hear the wows. Yep. And it's like, yeah, for us uh, being either in the industry or in this hobby for a while, we just kind of look at the moon and we just go, yeah, that's the moon. And it's not like, like think about your that's a planet. Right. There's a planet right above you yeah. that you're seeing all the time. Right. So close. And you're just like, oh yeah, it's just the moon. No, that is a planet yes. right there yes. stuck in this gravitational lock with the earth. Like this yeah. is insane that we get to see this. Right. And we're just like, oh yeah, it's just the moon. Let's just you know, it's there tonight, whatever. It's a full moon, whatever. No big deal. No, it's a huge deal. It's a huge deal. Yeah. <laughs> it's a huge deal. Yeah, you just move, you move the eyepiece over a little bit to the Terminator. You could see the the mountains and the ridges and the shadows. Mm -hmm. It just gets, you know, it's like, you're right. It's like I'm on an airplane flying yep. over the moon right now. So That's true. exactly what it's like. Oh yeah. Yeah. You don't want to, you don't want to view the moon when it's full. You always want to view it when it's like a, a solid, like crescent moon, you know, oh. or like half, 
halfway full. It's just I like agree. that's the time. Even then, you still end up getting a blind spot on your eye after that. Like, <laughs> you remember you know. we were looking at it through the twenty-inch daub, and it's like shooting a laser out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> having to warn each other: don't stand there more than half a second. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> after half a second, you lose your retina. So yeah, Dustin's out there. Dustin's got a setup on his driveway, and he's out there with his with his phone. He's out there taking movies and videos of it, so he didn't get a chance to get too close. But it was, yeah, that that was a good use for. A relatively full moon because it was pretty full that night. When it was, it was, and I, I still like to take pictures of it every now and then. But um, you know, I kind of transitioned into deep space photography, which yeah. is where you live for the most part, too, Jimmy. Yes, and that's that's really what I want to talk to you about because um, I've always found it interesting. I think there, it's so cool how people kind of choose their path through this hobby. It's such I a agree. unique hobby. Yes. You can go so many different directions. I mean, you've got lunar, you've got solar, you can do planetary, you yeah. can do DSOs. And then even within deep space objects, you've got people that just shoot galaxies yes. and the people that just shoot colorful nebula and the people that just do narrow bands like me, you know, right. and um, you've got all these different ways to enjoy it. And then you just have visual and you mm -hmm. have all this stuff, but Yours was always really unique for me and something I appreciated was you had access from the day I met you to a lot of the best equipment out there and you never used that stuff. You never, you never wanted no. to, you always used these tiny systems that could fit on, you know, like the, like in a backpack almost like <laughs> yeah. these tiny little refractors and these tiny mounts and everything that was just super portable and even color cameras. You never even went the monochrome route no. back then. No, why Why was that? Um, I think for me personally, as I was evolving through the hobby of astronomy, and as I started to tip my toes into astrophotography, right. um, I started to realize the, the work that some of these guys were doing, like some of the original guys who adopted to CCD cameras originally, mm -hmm how much work that they had to put into it. And I had always thought that if I have to put that much work into it, then it might not become a hobby for me anymore. Sure. I was looking for simplicity uh, because for me, that was enjoyment. Uh, everyone defines enjoyment in a different way. Um, and we were kind of talking about that a little bit earlier, right? About uh, over lunch, about how you can go down different roads. Some people might find the complexity of shooting through a you know a big you know fifteen inch plane wave mm -hmm. enjoyment. Sure. Or for me, it was more about capturing the night sky wonder and then processing it, so then I could share it my, with my loved ones mm -hmm. and my friends. So for me, it was always about how can I simplify this where I can just enjoy it as a hobby. Right. Because uh, I had I have many of friends who have these complex systems and they're always struggling with it, whether they're adding another cable, or adding another scope, or adding another adapter. I wanted to remove all those variables because for me, it was about enjoying the night sky. Right. And so as cameras started to evolve, I actually started with the original Canon Rebel DSLR. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. That was actually my very first camera. Okay. Yeah. Because I saw that, hey, I can actually 
I don't need a computer. Yep. When all these guys, they were running like deep marine cycle batteries out in the middle of the desert. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it simplified the process for me. Push and the button, see the image. It was that simple. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a little bit more to it, of course, with tracking. But for the most part, it's a great way to get somebody started mm -hmm. uh, in imaging. Because imaging is already a steep learning curve to begin with, as as we know, Dustin. Yeah. So why not try to simplify it for the for the people, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you make it simple and enjoyable, that's how you hook somebody for life. Right. And let them evolve at their pace. So for me, even though I had access to all this, my enjoyment were the simple system. So even to this day, my main scope is a 70 millimeter refractor. And I take wide field images with it. So that's like roughly a three inch telescope. Three inch telescope. Three inch telescope that it, what this barely like the size of a can of tennis balls. Yes. Right. Is what yes. you're you're carrying yep. out into the field. Yes. And your images. And it, it, granted, you've been doing this for, you know, 15 years, mm -hmm. roughly. But your images look like they were shot from a professional system. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, they do. And it's with color camera, which is very, yes. very challenging. And so. What happens with a color camera is you get you get everything becomes mixed in with your signal. So your right. signal to noise is very hard to manage. Like with with what I do, I have filters that are cutting out everything except for exactly what I want to come right. in. But with a color camera, like you're talking about a Canon, yeah. it's going to pick up the street lamps. It's going to pick yes. up the car driving by. It's going to pick up somebody turning on their phone too close to your system. It's going to pick up all of that, and it's all getting mixed in with your image. And so you have to afterwards go through and figure out, how do I pull out the data that's behind all of Correct. this noise? And you mastered it. You figured out a way to find the horsehead nebula behind the the highway stream of cars driving by <laughs> right. and everything it's amazing to be able to get because i've seen people do it before but they lose the color yeah you know they can pull the structure but they lose all the colors but your colors look like narrowband images i mean they're oh, I appreciate that. super you. colorful so how, how did you refine that process um so for me <sighs> The way that I process, I mainly use Photoshop. Okay. Um, th that's that's my – I know that there are other software out there right now mm -hmm. that uh, people have kind of uh, turned to. So you stack in Photoshop and everything? No. I, I use a program called uh, Deep Sky Stacker. Okay, sure. Yeah. It's a free shareware. Free, right. It's free. So I, you know, every, I try to do it on a budget because, mm -hmm. you know – Everyone has different budgets. Sure. So some of these softwares can be very expensive. Oh, yeah. So whenever there's uh, a shareware out there, right. I try to learn it because um, – and a lot of these shareware, surprisingly, are really good. They are. They're phenomenal. It's easy to get people involved when you don't have to tell them, hey, here's another $1,000 hurdle. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that's the program I use for stacking. Um, all my processing is done in Photoshop. Okay. Um, so it's, it's a lot of basic um, – curves levels but then there are some techniques that i use that i learned from a well-known astrophotographer adam block yeah he is phenomenal yeah he actually put out a great um series yeah. of photo uh, processing with photoshop so i learned a lot of my processes and my techniques from him mm -hmm. and so that but then i kind of did a little twist to it to because every the beautiful thing about astrophotography in my opinion is it's it's part science, but it's also part art. 
Right. So everyone has a different perspective of how they see a certain nebula, which I find fascinating. Yeah. Because there's no right or wrong answer per se in the hobby level. Mm-hmm. When you get to the scientific level, then you know there can be an argument, right? <laughs> that's the realm that Tony lives in is the the scientific oh, okay. side. And uh, that's why I, I'm really interested to see how you end up processing your images, Tony, if they are going to be very <laughs> different than those of us that don't that don't have any obligation to hold true to the science. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Better, that, that'll be interesting. Well, I just wanted to uh, echo some of the thoughts that Jimmy just made, because I really feel what you were just saying there about simplicity. When One of the reasons I don't image so much now is that when I first got into it, this was the 80s. It was the, you know, we had clock drives and drive correctors oh, wow. and hyper hyper 2415 film and things like focusing and, you know, connecting all this stuff up, making sure your film is, is, is in place. And then you spend hours and hours and hours, maybe getting one exposure right? and then taking all of that and developing it. By the time you're done, I've, I maybe have seen a couple the only, the only observing I saw was what I saw the guide star and the illuminated reticle in the off axis guider. That's that was the observing I did. And it was a lot of work to set that up. So then fast forward to going into college where I built a cookbook camera CCD and I built that as my, yeah, I built that as my (laughs) physics, uh, my, my, my lab project for my junior physics year. And I took that out. It was water cooled. I had a little pump bucket of water (laughs) and I had an aquarium pump that was pumping water through this thing. I'm not lying. This, and and I was, and I was able to get some pretty decent pictures of Mars and, and the Orion Nebula, stuff like that. Yeah. But, you know, that's a lot of work. Then I got a job as a professional working with professional cameras, and nothing was ever simple. Yeah. Not, everything was hard. We had to design cameras from scratch. I was writing software from scratch, writing processing from scratch. And so I really appreciate, I mean, more than I can say. Just going outside and setting up a tell, not even aligning it, just setting it up on a tripod. Maybe it's level. Who gives a shit? Yeah. You just, and then you look through the eyepiece at the Ring Nebula or right. the Andromeda Galaxy. Man, that turns my crank. So that's why I think uh, I do what I do the way I do it. Now, after meeting Dustin, I'm, I'm, I'm getting the opportunity to expand that into today's imaging environment where I must say it does seem about as simple as it's ever going to get. Mm-hmm. You turn on the computer or you turn on the telescope, it figures out where it is. All you've got to do is make sure it's level and then it will look at the sky. Oh, yeah. yeah. Here's where I'm at. Okay. What do you want to image today? And, you know, some, some telescopes will play me a little song. It'll give me a tour, you know, <laughs> oh, it'll, you know, and all the while. And, uh, so imaging has come a long way, but I just want to echo that simplicity. Have you two seen this new, I mean, to, to what you're speaking on right now, I mean, this thing was released November 1st, right mm-hmm. today, um, in the United States, but have you seen the new Veonis, uh, telescope? It's no, called the Stellina. No, I haven't. I have one. Yeah, this they sent me one i just got it in the mail yesterday yeah so i'm about to turn it on isn't it the coolest thing in the world i mean so yeah we we send them to our affiliates right right but this telescope when they first told me about it i was like there's no way there's no way so this is it looks like um i mean god it's hard to describe but it's about maybe two feet wide by like two feet 
two and a half maybe tall right it's like <laughs> my it, wife says it looks like a router yeah <laughs> it looks like a really it big does router. it looks like it's a big router like or something like that <laughs> really? but it's 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 a beautiful design yeah it's a beautiful design but it comes on a tripod that's like six inches tall it's tiny uh-huh you can literally pick up the whole thing tripod and everything zero cables only one button on the entire thing it's wi-fi wow so you can share it to like 20 devices but you, t- you push that button, it turns it on, it creates its own Wi-Fi network. You connect to it with your phone or your iPad or whatever. It literally does everything for you. So it turns itself on, it auto-aligns, so it points at the sky, starts taking pictures so that it knows what it's pointed at. It plate solves itself. Mm-hmm. And then it focuses itself. And what? then it tells you it's ready to start imaging. And the app says, here's everything in the night sky tonight. So whether it's planets or deep space objects or whatever it is. You click on it, it will tell you all about those objects, move to it, and start taking 10-second images of it. That is incredible. And stacking them in front of you in color on your phone or your app (laughs) or whatever. And you can save them at any time and share them to Instagram or Facebook or whatever. But you're watching it build in front of you. So I'm running these images into my house, onto my TV inside, watching them stack. While everybody's just hanging out, you just watch these images stack. That's incredible. It is the craziest thing. And literally, you need no experience. I've had people do it that have never, ever touched the telescope before because there's no polar alignment. There's no balancing. There's not even a single cable. Wow. Nothing. So you don't have to worry about like bringing an additional battery. It has its own little battery that you charge. You know, that's really exciting to hear because that's going to allow more people to actually get into astrophotography. Exactly. I think it's a completely different group. Like, I don't yeah. think the people that have been out building observatories and right. running 45-minute exposures, it's probably not for them. It's for the families. It's for people right. that want to experience space but don't want to be invested in so much time and all of that stuff. But it's, I think it's a slightly different market. I mean, we carry it here, but the people that we found that are interested are the people that are just like, I want to do this. But I don't right. want to spend, I don't want to learn Photoshop. I don't yeah. want to learn all this. I want something that does it for me, but I can still explore the universe. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, it's about $4,000 for the unit, but it's complete. It's the camera, the telescope, the mount, the everything. That's actually really reasonable when you think about yeah, I think so. that you just listed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's got, uh, I think it's got Sony sensors on it. So they're, they're, they're really quite nice. And I'm excited about the science communication aspect of this of setting this up everybody getting the app on their phone up to 20 people can be looking through this and watching it and saving it on their phone at the same time i don't know i'm I'm excited about the uh, sort of star party aspect of this whole thing as well just getting people like on a sidewalk or something looking at at what they're and just connecting and getting their own images so it really is a pretty cool thing has anybody tried this uh, telescope out under like a dark sky I ran it from where I live here. So I, I did it uh, one night on the beach here. Okay. And so, you know, the beaches are relatively dark. They're not super yeah. dark. And then I did it from San Marcos, okay. which is right under a street lamp. Uh, yeah. But it still worked, which is, I got pictures of the Veil Nebula from San Marcos, right? With, with this that thing. much light pollution. Yeah, with that much. I mean, right under that a street is lamp. incredible. It really is. Yeah. And then what's more incredible, I think, is I, right after that, I pointed it at Saturn. Mm-hmm. And you can see Saturn and the rings and everything. It's like... Man, even the telescopes I'm using, you have to pick one or the other. Right. Like, am I going to shoot deep space or am I going to shoot <laughs> yeah. the planets? Right. Not both. But this thing just took a picture of it and just like auto cropping, like showing me the image. I'm amazed 
So I've got the neighbors walking by, like, what the hell is this thing? I'm like, I don't know. It's magic. It's magic. It shouldn't exist for like another 15 years. I don't know. But they just uh, they just wow. released them today. And um, yeah, we we have a great relationship with them and we brought them into OPT. As soon as I saw it, I was like, This is this is game changing. This is yeah. awesome. It's a completely different part of the community now mm. that can be developed because of the simplicity. Wow. That 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 kind of blows my mind right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in awe. I know I've like, got one. I've got one here at my house, man. I'll let you shoot it probably okay. tonight. Even I'll let you take it and shoot it. You'll okay. you'll be blown away by the simplicity. Wow. But yeah, one <laughs> button. That's awesome. One they button. sent you one, Tony. Because I mean, I'm telling you, they're they're a great company. They're very cool. And um, just being able to take yeah. this thing and set it down anywhere you go camping, you're just like, I'm just going to set this thing yeah. down, turn it on. Come back in three minutes. It's auto aligned, and I've got all the images on my phone while we're sitting here by the campfire. And it's also great, in my opinion, that it can also get young kids interested. As exactly, well. man. The kids can run it themselves. Yeah, they can run it themselves yeah. and actually get interested in science again, which it's is cool. I've always been a proponent of. Right. You know, you have to make it simple for people to enjoy it. Yeah. And you know, Tony Dustin, as you know, being in this hobby. Some people just like to complicate it a little too much. <laughs> Why do you think that is? I think, in my opinion, I, I think part of it is uh, people like to overthink it a little. Uh -huh. And they also like the challenge. Sure. Because they a lot of these uh, hobbyists, I think they have a vision of what they want to do. And so they uh, they have this idea of, okay, how can I get there? And they, they, they experiment and they try so much to try to get to that goal. Sure. And, and there's nothing wrong with it. But I, I just sometimes look at it and I just say, that's great for you. But how are we going to help grow this hobby? Mm -hmm. Because even when I started in this hobby, there were so, much more, so many more people who went to star parties and who – you know, got together to enjoy the night sky together. And now it, it it has diminished over the years, in my opinion. Well, I think two things are going to happen. One, it's going to be more simplified with these types of systems coming out. And not I just so. these systems, but look at yeah. ZWO and QHY and a lot. Yeah, I mean, and I could true. go on and on and on with yeah. the brands that have just taken this thing and really made it affordable, mm -hmm. easy to use. And so even on the professional side, it's getting more simplified. Really? Yeah. And so like, I mean, look at how simple you use ZWO cameras, right? Uh, I actually use Q, Q, QHY. QHY, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so, yeah, I mean, look at, it's like, it's plug and play with yeah. a lot of those cameras. I mean, you're taking the photos and the cameras are so good. The quantum <laughs> yeah. efficiency now that you're seeing on these things is way above like 70%. And, um, you know, for us like CCD guys, like we were stoked to get 50%. <laughs> right. Like, my, yeah. <laughs> like, I remember those. Yes. <laughs> yes. Even the ones I have in my observatories now, I'm like, man, I got 60% QE. Yes. You know, but, <laughs> but now some of these, they're like boasting, oh yeah, it's in nineties. Right. 95%. It's like, what does that even mean? I don't understand. You I know? remember back in the days, uh, do you, Tony, I don't know if you remember this, but the uh, S Big ST10 XME. Yeah, that thing was dude, a game changer back then. I mean, anybody who had that, you were like, Whoa. You were the shit. Yeah. yeah. You show up with that and everybody's like, oh. Whoa. Yeah, all the S-Big cameras. <laughs> because I think at the time it had 
what was the Q quantum efficiency at that time? It was like like negative six. <laughs> yeah. I think you it had, was, you had to put photons <laughs> in. You had to fake it, man. <laughs> Everyone thought you were the coolest kid on the block. You're like, oh, this guy's serious. Yeah, this guy's so serious. it's got like a pull start, like a lawnmower. <laughs> yeah. <you know? laughs> I actually had a couple friends. A crank. <laughs> Oh, I was so envious oh, of some crank. of the coming out the front of it like the old cars. <laughs> oh man, I remember. Stand back, I'm gonna aim it. <laughs> oh, man. oh, this is ring back some great memories. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That thing was a that thing was a brick, but you know what? It was. Tractor battery to run it. Yeah. yeah. At the time, though, I mean, it was it changed a lot of things. I mean, it made oh. it made possible what wasn't before so true you know and so that's true. what's happening now i think what's happening now though is that you're seeing those gigantic leaps forward mm -hmm. just all the time yeah like the evolution is just happening a lot faster now you know technology as technology gets better and better and better right. you're seeing companies like veonis that can put this stuff out that five years ago would have been impossible but now it's not only not impossible it's affordable mm -hmm. right and they can mass produce it and all of those things together, I think what we'll see is the evolution of the star party. I think star parties will become two things. One, there'll be a lot more digital connection. Yeah. We're seeing virtual star parties that we do. Hundreds of thousands of people a year can connect around that. Wow. Hundreds of thousands of people. That's amazing. Can connect and just, you know, we're there, we're giving tours of the universe around mm -hmm. them. They can log in, see all this stuff. And they have an astrophysicist to explain to them what it is they're seeing and i think that is very very powerful i i agree with you because i remember when i was in um when i was taking that class we actually mount wilson at the time had a program called telescope and education t-i-e okay and it was very similar to what you were describing dustin we got to connect to a mount wilson telescope Right. And we actually got to control the telescope and actually image through the telescope. Remotely. Remotely. Uh -uh. So I was down at uh, my high school in Huntington Beach, and there was an operator uh, on the line uh, just sitting there making sure the system was working uh, properly. And then we got to control the scope and just pick different galaxies and nebulas throughout the night. And it would just image and download right onto our computer. And for us, it was... It was the most amazing thing ever, and that was just another step in connecting me to this hobby. And I'm saying, this is cool. This is actually really, really cool. Yeah. <laughs> so I remember. So I hope it gets to that point where a child somewhere halfway around the world can connect to a telescope and just image the night sky. I think you have a lot of people committed to that idea. I can tell you that, I mean, you know me, you've known me a long time and, yeah. and Jenny and, you know, OPT is a hundred percent committed in that direction. But I can tell you, Tony, even with deep astronomy, mm -hmm. same thing. And it's half of what we spend our time talking about, Tony, is just how do we make this accessible? How do we make the universe accessible for right. people in a meaningful way? Because it's like you said, you almost went the opposite way. You took a class that had an opportunity to get you interested and they spent the entire semester making you hate it and be bored. <laughs> yeah. And then it's <laughs> only at the very end right. that you got hooked. Right. But if you, if it had been cloudy that night, you wouldn't be in this. No. You know, think about that. Yeah. They had a whole semester to, to catch you and to bring you into something that could be life-changing for you. Right. And instead it took probably the afterthought for them 
right. that brought you in. I think that people rethinking this and building it around community and experience mm -hmm. instead of just textbook. Yeah. I think that's that's what's going to change everything. And that's what we're trying very, very hard to do. Oh, but happy to hear that. I think that these these scopes like the Stellina, though, are going to force an evolution of the star party mm -hmm. because now everyone can connect through social media and these things, which is I mean, that's obviously that's the manifest destiny of this industry. Right. right. That is the westward expansion. Right. But I think that what it will also do is you'll have so many people doing that sort of thing that it will be the new reason to connect and to, for people to meet up and bring their scopes and to have star parties. I just think star parties are going to look different, but having people meet at the park with all of these scopes, I bet you get large communities and cities across the entire globe doing that sort of thing because now it's easy. Now you don't have to worry about packing out your 200 pound system and you know bring in, point. bring in your car really battery yeah and all that stuff <laughs> right. you're just like yeah i'll drive out there for 30 minutes my setup time's only two minutes <laughs> yeah. i'll set it down and i can come enjoy it meet up with some friends hang out and then i'll leave when i want to yeah socialize it's, it's not a the whole idea of a star party weekend commitment right and this idea of connecting uh multiple users to the same telescope like stellina lets you do where you get their app and you can see what it's doing at any given time, you'll be able to do that with other telescopes at the star party as well. And all of the, the participants can then share that on social media. So I think you're, I guess in one way it's, you're right. It's an evolution of the star party. It's a little bit sad that the analog part of it, this gathering of people is probably going to be less, but it comes at the, with on the other side of that, with the growth of the virtual presence, right? right. We can, we can share these things from all over the world. And that's, that, I suppose, is a pretty good trade-off. <laughs> I think so. I think that it is it is hard to accept the reality that our world is moving more and more in a digital direction. Yeah. Most meetings now, you meet people more, like even you and Tony right now, you've met, but you haven't met in person, right? right. And probably the majority of people we meet anymore in life are less and less in person and it, it seems to be moving that direction yeah i agree i mean you see it across industries um like even uh in the taxation and accounting industry right now um which i'm a part of um you see more and more people just doing business either by video conferencing yep. or by <laughs> telephone or by email mm -hmm. and, and that's 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 it well it's just for practicality reasons with right. business you know it's like yeah. well we can fly you to <laughs> you know i i do that all the time because you know a lot of the people i deal with manufacturers the vendors those things mm -hmm. they're around the world Right. So it's not practical for me to be on a plane every day to go to Italy, then Ireland, then, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'd be in a new country every single day. Right. And it's not practical. So right. instead, we just set up one video conferencing room. They have yeah. the same. And then I can be in Ireland and Italy and France and everything That's every amazing. day without having to spend my entire life on an airplane. Yeah. Which I hate. I hate being on airplanes, man. I hate it. <laughs> I do too. God. I do too. But you know this isn't this isn't really a, a necessarily a bad thing this this digital connection that we have because I can tell you that while it is great to be in the physical presence of a bunch of amateur astronomers you know in a field with their telescopes I have made in the course of my business with the, with the 
interactions that I've had, almost all of them virtual, I've made some really, really good friends, not just out in California, but I've got friends in Europe, Australia, right. and yeah. just, you know, everywhere. That's a great and point. I feel like that That's is a great point. valuable part of my life. Yeah. And I don't, I would never give that up and I couldn't have had it any other way. So I don't know. It's, it's just different. It's not necessarily Agreed. better or worse, you know? Yeah. Agreed. Uh, and star parties. Star parties, this might be a better way for all of us to connect, certainly for the people who want to enjoy the night sky but could never afford, say, a $4,000 Stellina, they can still enjoy it uh, with friends wherever they are in the world. And that's pretty cool. I think it's going to put the party back in Star Party, too, because I hope so. <laughs> star parties have gotten a little bit dusty. Yeah. You know, yeah. you go to yeah. some of them and it's like, it's like people sitting there in a group waiting to yell at you for your car lights or your cell phone. <laughs> and it's like, man, yeah. this is a party? This is a party? Yeah. You know, like... Bunch of septuagenarians. Yeah, some, some of these uh, uh, astronomy clubs are a little bit scary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I had people... So I drove into a club uh, in California here, and um, we, I was going around to the back of it, and it was like, not even dark yet, man. Not right. even, It's not even dark. And come in, so the lights are on, Moving through, they followed. I bet they walked a quarter mile to come over and tell me, um, just so you know, when you cross that line, those lights are off. <laughs> and I was like, just so you know, it's not dark outside. <laughs> but thank you. Thank you for the heads up. Yeah. But yeah, it's like, man, it's like that's that why they're there is to come tell somebody, turn your lights off. <laughs> Turn your lights. I was like, God, man, like, how is this the party? Like, we should be trying to make people excited. And I, I think I think that these new ways of connecting and connecting yes. a lot of people. Yes. A lot are going to be very, very good, not just for the community, but for the industry as a whole. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. I'm, I'm really excited about this new telescope, though, that you're talking about. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that, that's yeah. A, that is. I'll, I'll show it to you after this. Game but it is, man. It is. It's really cool. And I honestly thought I was like, man, it's going to be it, it's got to be like gimmicky. Yeah. There's no way this technology exists yet or I would know somebody's working on that. Yeah, because there's been right. efforts in the past before. Exactly. And it never it, works. Man. It never works. Yeah. Like I know Mead had a version of uh, what you're talking about. Uh -huh. Um and it just was never really there, if that made sense. Great idea. Yeah. Execution became exactly. a little too challenging. But, it, you know, I think what it is, it's because the technology at the time that Mead was doing it mm -hmm. was right on the edge of it yeah. being possible. They were a little bit early. Right. Right. And since then, I know that Mead's made like huge, gigantic leaps forward. Right. But at the time that you guys were trying to do it, it just still wasn't quite there. You yeah, know? I would agree with you. Because it was an older sensor, and yeah, but now, yeah, this I'm, <laughs> the first time I used it, I just like I sat there, I realized that the image was coming in, and I was just like staring, and it's just like <laughs> this, this just um, it's another one of those moments. It's like, wow, this is the future. This and is you didn't have to do anything. That's the mind blowing part for me. Yeah, per se. Yeah, exactly. There's one button, man. Literally, <laughs> there is one button on the entire unit. Power. That's it. That's. Not a single cable. Like, like I, I think like my process is pretty simplified, mm -hmm. and I still go out to the desert. I collect the photons. I yep. save the images. Go back home. Stack the images. Yeah. Then 
open it in Photoshop and then I'd begin my processing. And that's what's crazy is it's doing all of those steps. Like it's even stacking the images live. So it even takes out the Photoshop part of it. Wow. It does that. So you just, I mean, you're just using your phone to say like, hey, make the colors pop a little more or whatever. Like then it's just seasoned to taste. (laughs) That's it. But also what you can do though, it even has advanced features where you've got two USB slots in there. You stick a, a, a thumb drive in there and it will give you, you can get the fits images out. Yeah. The fits images that it took that night. So you could take them and process them separately as well. well so you get the best of everything. And with all high-tech advi- devices and things that have connectivity, mm-hmm. you can um, update them, mm. right? You can It That's can true. get better and better and better as That's they keep true. releasing updates. So it's it's exciting, man. These are exciting times. They really, really are. Is. This is, what do you call it, uh, Tony, the golden age of astronomy? That's right. And you know where this stuff is coming from? The reason this is possible is you have professional astronomers to thank for this because the the amount of money that's been spent over the decades, the hundreds of thousands, the millions of dollars on things like detector technology and uh, adaptive optics, focusing mechanisms, all this stuff is just trickled down. Just like what you would get from NASA having spinoff technologies from the space program, I think a lot of this ground-based stuff has really made the uh, hobby of amateur astronomy a lot better, certainly more automated. And the quality is rivaling anything you can get on a professional observatory now. So that's where I think the source of a lot of this stuff comes from. And it just the, the challenge for companies now is just how do we take these new technologies and make them scalable and affordable for most people to use? And certainly the Stellina is an all-in-one package. I could easily imagine this whole thing being designed. If you looked at a block diagram of the design of this telescope, it wouldn't look too dissimilar to a space telescope, which has to have a lot of those same characteristics that it has. Right. So I think it's a mate. You're right. It's a golden age of astronomy because of so many reasons. But I hope more and more companies actually uh, jump on this train. You know, sometimes it takes, you know, one company taking that leap for the industry to also take that leap. Kind of like a Tesla in a way, right? Sure. Yeah. Uh, Before then, no one would touch an electric car. No. And all of a sudden, Elon Musk comes out with one electric car and now. Pretty much every single car maker will be releasing a version of an electric car mm-hmm. to move the industry in that way. Will it overtake it? We don't know. But I really hope like the Mead Celestrons of the world really take notice and help the industry move towards that. Because from what I'm hearing right now, this is a game-changing telescope. Well, they're doing it, I think. I think Celestron and Mead both have really good telescopes that certainly simplify the use aspect of a telescope. Mm-hmm. You know, leveling a tripod, turning it on, the GPS figures out where it is, it polar aligns itself. They've come a long, long way, at least in that part of it. Yeah. And that's a barrier for a lot of people, at least, you know, for beginners especially. Polar aligning scopes or, you know, getting it aligned up so that you know what to see. And then there's a menu of things to choose from. Right. It's not the implementation is nowhere near what Selena has done, but it is they're they're getting there. And I don't know, maybe maybe this is the future, but there's I hope it I almost hope it isn't totally the future because I'd hate to see the eyepieces go away. It never will uh, because of that aspect. right there. I yeah. think everybody shares that feeling with you that, you know, there's still something to be said for that moment. Yes. That we've all described. (laughs) There's still a lot to be said for that. And so I think it's not going to go away because people don't want it to. 
And so there will still be advancements on that side too. I mean, they're not stopping. Look at companies like Teleview, just for instance. Mm -hmm. When when do they ever stop innovating on the visual side of things? Like never. Never. Yeah, they're just always focused on what's the next way to make it better? What's the next way to make it better? And there's so many companies like that. They're just one that comes to mind. And it's like because of that, because there's still this desire to push forward on that side, it's not going away. I hope. Well, I hope so because it's you know it's a very personal experience. You can't share this on Instagram. You you know you can't get involved digitally with someone else across the world looking through an IP. So that component is it's very personal. And I think that with the scalability of what we've just been talking about of meeting people all over the world and connecting to telescopes that aren't even in your continent, then you know we we, this might suffer. I just want just, I don't know if there's going to be enough of an imp- impetus to go from, Oh, look at this cool image I took on a Selena from, from across, you know, the way here to, uh, buying their own telescope with an eyepiece and setting it up. I just don't know if they will make that connection. I hope it they do, but, um, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out because the future is in the detectors and in the technology that gets these images out. So, I don't know how many more innovations we can have in optics for visual. If I'm th- if I'm being honest, <laughs> I don't I don't know what more you could do. Maybe make coatings better. I don't think it's ever been wise for anybody involved in science to say it's as good as it will ever, it will ever get. Well, I know, <laughs> I know, and I'm I'm sure there will be some kind of technology that when that is can that reflect, worked out? <laughs> refract refract light with no no limit no images or lenses at all. Maybe that can happen. I just worry. I just worry about it. I hope I'm wrong, and 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 just hope the innovation keeps coming on that side of it too. Well, uh, so Jimmy, what's uh, what's going on with you right now? What are you up to, and what are you uh, getting ready to do? Well, right now, um, I'll be getting ready to go out to the desert this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, the weather looks good. Uh, I'm still imaging. I ha- I don't go out to the desert as much as I used to. What camera are you using now? QHY10? Yeah, so QHY-10? it's a one-shot yeah. color camera. APS-C sensor. Yeah, APS-C sensor. It's uh, like 24 megapixels, isn't it? Something like that? Uh. I forget how many megapixels it is. But, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know. I think it's... I it think was it's, one of the original Sony yeah. CCD color It's an uh, awesome sensor. camera. It was the first camera I ever owned. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's been a workhorse for me. Absolute yeah. workhorse. And for me, it, it, it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about the simplicity. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that I don't have to spend um, multiple nights or evenings um, trying to take shots of different channels of color. Yeah, uh, that's that's the different worlds you and I live in because I I spend an entire week on a single image, right? You know, um, and there's nothing wrong with that, of course. Yeah. It's just uh, what do you want out of it? it? And for me, the one shot color cameras, they give you the results right away. You could share it. Um, you could be proud of what you you do, and so it just makes it so much easier. Because I I dabbled in monochrome cameras for. I want to say a month mm-hmm. <laughs> took it out to one star party. Right. And I was like, okay, this is not for me. Yep. Um, so, so now most of my imaging is actually done for my backyard because of You're using you know, a triad filter. Yes, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You got to try it when they first came out, when right? They first came out. Yeah. How are you liking it? Oh, it's, it's, we talk about game changing. Yeah. That was another filter that was game changing because all of a sudden I didn't have to pack up my SUV, drive two, two and a half hours, fighting mm-hmm. through traffic. Yeah. 
because anymore to try to get to the desert, now you have to fight through oh, the Especially California where China. you live, man. Yes. Where you live up there, that is impossible. Yeah, I'm, I'm from the Orange County, God, California You got to be on this side of the county line. Exactly. If you do, yeah. Exactly. I, it's not where the traffic up there, man. I never go north. <laughs> I can't say I blame you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so for me, um, the triad filter has been a game changer in the sense that I can set up from the comfort of my backyard. Right. And not have to worry about the weather because if, if there is bad weather, then I can just go in and relax in, at home. Right. Or go do something else. Yeah. Whereas when you go to the desert, and I'm not trying to deter anybody from going, mm -hmm. but you have to be more conscious and more prepared of. And it's what, a full day journey. It's a full day journey. Mm -hmm. um, so, so most of my imaging is done from the backyard now because of the triad filter. It blocks out nearly all of the man-made light, and it just allows me to capture the data from the actual nebulas itself. Yeah. And so, when when OPT came out with that filter, right. I was so fascinated by it, and of course, I jumped on it. The first night I tested it out, uh, I knew right away that this was going to change how I did my hobby. Yeah, because now it again simplified uh, what I was trying to achieve. Uh, there are no more long journeys uh, for me to to go and to try to capture the night sky wonders. I can't tell you how many times we've heard that. You know, <laughs> really? are you using the Triad or the Triad Ultra? Uh, the original triad. The original triad, yeah. yeah. So, so you can still do relatively short exposures, yes. and and you still get that really strong hydrogen signal. And everything. exactly, That's, yeah, it's it's exactly. pretty, it's awesome. You know, when we made that filter, mm -hmm. we spent about six months producing filters that did not work to get to that filter. Oh no, kidding. it was a real challenge. I mean, we we went through so many manufacturers trying to get yeah. it to work because it's so narrow. The idea right. there are a lot of filter companies that are like, "Oh, we're going to make a multi-band filter." Right. But what they don't tell you is like, "Oh, this is 12 nanometers on one channel, 18 nanometers on the next, yeah. 18 on the next." And it's like, "Okay, so you have a normal light pollution filter." Right. You don't <laughs> have a true narrow like super narrow narrow band multi-channel filter. Yeah. But ours, we were like, no, we want these to be like five nanometers or under. Right. Right. And so like the Triad Ultra is like four nanometers across the board, three nanometers on some. I mean, you can point that thing at a street lamp and just shoot right through it, oh, you know, <laughs> and that's that's the idea is like, let's make even the just the, the standard Triad. Right. It's I think the hydrogen's at three nanometers, something like that. So it's Which like is really narrow, super narrow. That's I what mean, Hubble uses. Yeah. I was about to say, that's like full moon conditions exactly. and you can still image. The moon does not matter at that point. <laughs> it doesn't matter. And so, um, yeah, but because we were, we had these like super strict guidelines that we were trying to stay within, the manufacturers, the first like seven were like, this can't be done. It can't mm. be done. And the last one was like, we think it's possible. Like the physics says it's possible, right? Yeah. The coatings are possible, but we've never done anything like this. So it's going to take a long time and we're not fronting the cost of that development. Wow. So we didn't know if it was worth it or not, but we were just like, if, if we can make this, yeah, it will be 
it will it will solve that problem permanently. Right. The one you're talking about. Right. And so we just went for it. And honestly, for about five months, we thought we failed. We thought we just spent a ton of money on something that will never work. And well, then I'm glad you were persistent. They <laughs> called us. You were persistent. They called us and they were like, "Hey, uh, we got something to send you." And we we're like, "Okay, cool." And they sent it and they were like, "Just test it out. Tell us what you think." And we took our first test shots with mm-hmm. with it, and it was wide field. It was the horse head and Orion Nebula. Yeah. And there was so much hydrogen in the image that we had to back it down because the whole image was red. It was like, <laughs> oh my God, this is shot from the parking lot. Right. Under all of these street lamps, we were like, this is it. This just, we solved the problem. We did it. Oh, wow. We did it. And that was the you original never, you triad. You told me this story. This is fascinating. Yeah, because at the time, it was a really scary story. You got one of the first ones, you know. Yeah. But at the time, we were thinking, what did we just do? We bought, I mean, you know, three nanometer filters. Yeah. Some of these triad filters can be $1,000 a piece. Right. Imagine making those every day that are just like paperweights. They're, they're useless because we weren't going to sell it. They, they would tell us like, well, we can back it down and we can make more like what's already out there. But mm-hmm. like, if it's not going to solve the problem, we're not doing it. Right. And so we just kept pushing and then, you know, we we got there and we developed the triad and then we developed the triad ultra, which took it even a step further. Mm -hmm. And um, I can't tell you how many times we get we get letter or mail on a daily basis from people that are just like this changed the way I shoot forever. I just use a color camera now and I use this filter and I just stay at home and shoot right through my street lamps. Yes. Why not? That's that's literally what I do, Dustin. Yeah, (laughs) I have a flat area in my backyard that's cool man and i just put in that 70 millimeter refractor yeah and then just pull it inside when you just pull it inside when i'm done or if i'm really lazy and i want to uh i'll just put a cover on it yeah and if like the telegizmos 365 covers exactly yeah those things are awesome yeah so so it just has made it for me like something like the triad has made astronomy like so much more enjoyable again. Right. In that I was starting to get a little frustrated with the, the journey to try to even get out to the site, Mm -hmm. to a dark site. And for, for the triad to come out, it, it sparked another, you know, it lit another fire in me again that I can now not worry about that. Right. Go back to just enjoying imaging the night sky i'm so glad you're enjoying it man and and they're they're expensive so they're they're the most expensive filters out because of Mm -hmm. what the technology goes into they're expensive to produce right you know we were trying to get the price down as much as possible because the staff's like do you think somebody's going to spend 300 dollars on a filter but ultimately when we kept doing the meetings we're like I would. And the reason I would is because I'm not spending $50, $60 in gas every time I go image. I'm not spending a full day going out to make this happen. I'm not having the clouded overnights after I drove six hours to get there. Yes, I can do this from my house and I save money by not having to do all of those other things. But they were like, yeah, but will people really think that way? And I was like, you know, I think they will because like the convenience is worth a lot. Yes. It's worth a lot. And so we just put it out there not knowing if people would reject it or not. It became the top selling filter that we have. I mean, we carry everything. And it was the top selling right. filter within three months. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. I had never heard this story before. That's fascinating. Yeah. It was a wild ride, man. It was it was crazy. But, you know, we have projects going on here all the time. And that one just, it happened to just work out. But only because, I mean, 
it, we just kept pushing, kept pushing. And right. I can tell you there were probably four or five times that we talked about, like, should we stop this? It's a very expensive venture to try mm-hmm. to develop. And, um, you know, it was actually Jenny and, and Ian here. Um, they were just like, look, but if, if we can get it, man, it changes every, it solves a problem. And that's what right. we keep saying we're trying to do. Let's right. solve problems. Just keep pushing. And it worked. That's awesome. Yeah, it's cool, man. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Oh, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't leave without it. That's cool, man. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't go anywhere without sure. it. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Cool. All right. Well, I guess we'll wrap it up there. Uh, our guest was Jimmy Newen. He's an amateur astronomer out there with Dustin Gibson. And he, uh, thank you for joining us. Thank Jimmy, you. it's been I great talking to you. It. It's good to meet you as well. All right. Well, good luck with imaging and so much? keep us, keep us posted on how you're doing. And yeah, you want to check out that Stellina. It's a pretty good, t- it's pretty good. Telescope. Oh, absolutely. We'll do. On behalf of Dustin Gibson, I'm Tony Darnell. Thank you all so much for listening. And as always keep looking up. Space Junk is produced by Deep Astronomy and sponsored by OPT Telescopes in Carlsbad, California. Please visit our website at spacejunkpodcast.com. Also, please send any questions and comments or ideas for new episodes to spacejunk at deepastronomy.com.